Shooters Connection offers products for competition shooters by competition shooters. With over 80 years of combined competition shooting experience, Shooters Connection is staffed by master and grandmaster shooters who live the shooting sports every day. Every day. We offer same-day shipping. Shooters Connection also sponsors over 100 of your matches every single year. So when it comes to finding everything you need to compete as a beginner or a seasoned grandmaster, Shooters Connection is the only name you need to know. Online at ShootersConnectionStore.com. Welcome back to the Hit Factor. We have myself, Jeremy Reed, Mr. Jeff Cawthon, as always. And Potato is back with us. And... You guys really need to chill out with the potato praise after the last time he was on because it was just kind of gross. Uh, everybody was just like talking about how great his beard was and like his voice is just made for the movies and how smart he is. And I, I'm just, we don't need that. Potato doesn't need that. Uh, his yeah, ego is going to uh, get too big. I think we're going to put a mute on the podcast feedback channel for a while because that's enough of that. Yeah, and the- in in fairness to your many listeners, they said I sounded like John Malkovich. That's not a good thing. <laughs> Nobody's well, like, man, I wish John Malkovich would read me a bedtime story, right? <laughs> like being John Malkovich, like that's what I want my life to be like. I I guess that's fair. Con uh, Air, right? Like really, like that's that's a good thing. <laughs> I mean, some people probably think it is. Some people probably really like it. All right, your your dogs probably do. Which luckily we can see the black German Shepherd in the background this time. What's the, what's the black German Shepherd's name? Xander. Xander. I like that. And also we have joining with us. So we got an even smarter person. So uh, with a better beard, uh, yeah. Mr. Accuglock himself, who shoots CZs, uh, Tyler Turner of PSTG fame and just world-renowned area six <laughs> shooting yeah. guru yeah that's right i'm uh i'm here as an envoy special envoy from area six <laughs> <laughs> do you guys have an election or something going on something like that that's what they tell me also what you guys hear through the scratching throughout this recording is actually tyler's beard so you can hear the beards throughout this recording. And I will get that shirt. I will get a shirt with Tyler Turner's face on it and it'll just say hear the beard. Hear the beard. We need to yeah, we need to make start making special merchandise for for guests that come on and just have all, like Yeah. Every time we have a terrible recording, we, we make a t shirt out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well it can well, be a contest. You're always looking for new hat designs, from what I understand. So Yeah. You know, happy. I am happy to, to help you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so potato just recently shot the Buckeye blast. And so we wanted to have potato to talk about that. Cause that's the range that's hosting nationals. And the match is kind of cool because it does do uh, staff reset. And so potato, we wanted to hear a little bit what you thought about like the staff reset and then just the, the range as a whole. So the range is Cardinal Shooting Facility in Marengo, Ohio. It's about 45 minutes north of Columbus. Um, the nice thing about that, this is not shooting related, but if you, it gives, it means there's ample places to stay. There's so many places to stay around Columbus. You could even push all the way out to Cleveland and you'd, you'd be an hour away from the oh, actual okay. range. Um, 
so there's a ton of places to stay, a ton of places to eat. Um, if you've got family or people sort of traveling with, um, they're not going to be in frostproof. But uh, so, yeah, so they sh they ran a staff reset. They also ran a two-day format for staff, just like Dragon's Cup had done. So staff shot in two shifts, Thursday, Friday a.m., competitor shot Friday p.m., Saturday a.m., Saturday all day, or Saturday p.m., Sunday a.m. So their, their vision was to sort of get about 300 people through the match um, with the vast majority of competitors and staff uh, shoot shooting on two days. So like at the level of like maps design, that's smart. That's kind yeah. of that's nice. Yeah, I like that level of matrixing. And they uh, they built up a, a number of new bays, um, at least eight uh, that are quite a walk, which again, we're all familiar with from ranges that expand is they put the new base far away from the old base. Um, and the new bays are deep, not particularly wide, but deep and they're earthen berms. And I mentioned they are earthen berms. You might think, well, aren't most ranges earthen berms? Well, no, the Cardinal shooting facility is wooden berms. I hmm. assume with earth behind them on the, their, their heritage bays and then concrete berms um, uh, off uh, with another potential shooting zone. Which the, the challenge with those is they're not really designed to take repetitive hits of bullets, right? Like they're, they're bulletproof and they'll stop a bullet, but you can't put a target on a berm and just keep shooting into it. Like you'll, you'll just deteriorate that berm really quick. Yeah. And so they do have bullet traps that let you shoot towards the sidewalls. So it's not uh, a situation where, where it's like in all classifiers nationals. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it definitely affects stage design and or at least uh, stage builds. Probably okay. doesn't affect design. Should affect design. So these bullet traps, they're like you put like are they built for each target specifically? I uh, it looks like they're were recently built to allow for that. And I think they had some historically in the past. That that club only started hosting USPSA in the last two years. Okay. Oh wow. In the last two years, and they're hosting a nationals this year. That's correct. Was, wow! Was this the first level two match hosted at that facility? I had That's heard correct. that. Okay. That is correct. And they okay. have an on-site um, FFL and gun store. That's <laughs> going to be competition oriented. So and there is uh, there's massive, massive um, trap and um, clays uh, okay. facility. I mean, just. Couple so, miles. sorry, I don't have much experience with with uh, uh, with ranges using bullet traps. Are these things like can you set them behind any target, or does it have to be a target that like faces the ground? So they have some that stand about six feet tall um, that allow you to use a conventional target presentation, and then some that look a little bit more ad hoc um, that uh, sort of are better for targets lower to the ground. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to be, speak very carefully here because I don't actually know how they build their bullet traps. And I don't want to give the impression that they're somehow doing a bad job. That's not, I didn't, I didn't hear dangerous ricochets or see the wooden walls come crumbling down um, despite missing the number of targets laterally. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there, there are options for bullet traps out there that are basically, target stands 
like they're a little bit bigger than a normal target stand. You see these at indoor ranges, especially like if you like any like the 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 matches that Eric Gaffel shows that like he's shooting like indoors. Like you see him shooting all sorts of different directions indoors. Well, his bullets are basically stapled to to bullet traps. They're not that big. They're not that thick, but they'll stop a bullet. Uh, hmm. And so th- there are options out there. You know, I don't know how windproof, obviously, like you see those in indoor stages. So I don't know how windproof those are, like if they're prone to being blown over or if they can really yeah. handle the number of rounds that a nationals would get. If you got four or 500 shooters going through there, uh, I, I just don't know, but they're common in, in, in Europe in indoor, indoor matches a lot. Hmm. So that's oh, that's interesting. You actually asked about which was staff reset. So uh, it was a staff reset match, which means every bay had at least four staff on it. Uh, Area five, where they were pulling their staff from, is really really deep in experienced and high quality ROs, CROs. So it was people who knew what they were doing, and uh, uh, I have a lot of criticisms of match at the level of sort of stage design and flow, but not the staff. The staff there were phenomenal. It was one of the better staff matches I've been to. And it's not just because it was staff reset in the rain on day two for me, but that does help. Uh, and in a couple of different bays, people offered to help, and the staff were like, nope. Wow. We, we got to Dang. shoot in good weather. You guys can just stay under the uh, awning. Oh, nice. I still have yet to shoot a staff reset match. The longest hour and a half of your life is being first shooter on a stage and last shooter on the next. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. It's it's like a match full of lunch breaks. Which is... It's a different mental test to, like, come back and be turned yeah. on when you're not up on your feet all the time. Which, you know, some people that are anti-staff reset will argue that. Well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with all that time? <laughs> so... Be reset. What uh, what were the squad sizes like? Uh, up to 13, uh, which would have been too many. Um, right. For the kinds of stages. There was a stage that uh, was a two-string Virginia count stage, 24 rounds, um, where the average shooter was shooting 25-second strings. So the average shooter shooting 50 seconds and where there's a lot of um, mental specificity required. And so you're getting a lot of jam make readies from everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't back up on that at all um, because we shot it out of order. We actually, trying to get ahead of the rain, we shot extra extra stages on day one. But uh, squads on the regular schedule all backed up there because string Virginia count stage. If yeah, twelve rounds, that's a that's a killer. Yeah, that's uh, you get twelve, thirteen guys on a squad. You know, without anything to do in the in the meantime, that's that's a long wait. This this comment's going to sound like, well, that ain't how we do it. That's not how it's intended. I'm just telling you my experience. <laughs> like the Southeast, like the state level matches in the Southeast have gone to like half day format staff reset. If you've got a squad of like seven, eight, which is about right, you know, it, you're turning and burning so fast. I mean, by the time you've shot loaded mags, you know, you're on to the next base. So there's not as much downtime, but yeah, I, I could see how if you've got twice that number, you know, and you, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a long time between stages. Yeah. yeah the sort of 25 minute turn time that you, you would yeah. see at like a uh, Carolina classic or a, right. or even to a lesser extent, an area six match 
um, which maybe is 35 minute turn time there with staff reset. This was closer to 45 minutes. So how did you feel as far as just like stage efficiency, like turning over shooters? Was there, was it, was it quicker or slower being staff reset or did, or. Oh, it's always quicker. Kind of... I've shot a few staff reset matches. There's no comparison. If, if you have staff who are physically not, who have, don't have mobility issues, they're mm-hmm. going to have a, a routine for scoring and, and restoring targets. That's so efficient. It's actually a really good argument for, and I know this will never catch on, but the, the idea that the last two or three shooters restore, because it, yeah. it's sort of people don't have to walk 20 yards to stand there with a paste around their finger. Like mm-hmm. everybody's life's better. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, no argument against staff reset that I, that I can find even, even with the hour and a half wait between first. And how many, how many uh, staff did they have per stage? Typically four on a really simple stage. You can okay. run it with three. Uh, so you're kind of really complicated you're... stage. You run it with five and that's, you know, if you, if you've got staff who have a kid hanging out, like helps, paced anyway and i think we've all seen matches like that you, you put the put that person on the, the big field course yeah yeah so it doesn't sound like it's not that much more staffing uh maybe 25 percent more staffing as far as what's on the actual stage and, and it sounds like it would probably give you opportunity if you could if you were smart enough way to do it to actually run more shooters so you you yeah, could actually well, pay I, for I more staff we're saying that that is the southeast's current model yeah, you've got a you got the the guy on the timer, the guy on the pad. You've got a guy with a pastry gun. A three man uh, crew can turn over a, a simple state, even a, a large field course, as long as it's simple and you know relatively compact. If you get a huge bay, you'd probably want to push that to four or five staff. If you got steel, if you got movers, you'd need more. You know, just a dedicated steel man. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, you even, can even here on the big, the longer stages, they did the smart thing, which is a golf cart for the 35 yeah. targets. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I love it from the standpoint of, I mean, tons of matches nowadays are filling up, like they fill up like really quickly. Right. And so how do we get more shooters in? And if, if there's just a way to just simply be more efficient and we can, that way we can shoot more shooters, then let's do it. Let's, let's I don't find a way to make shooters, that happen. Sure. You don't want to shoot more shooters? I do not want to shoot more shooters. Oh, well, you just don't know how to live right. Come down and, to Texas. I mean, it, and they, it. it sort of goes hand in hand, too. Like, the efficiency aspect is, is a good in itself, but also, like, from a competitive equity standpoint, you don't have other competitors going down range. You don't have pre-paced targets. You know, you have a rhythm where the, the ROs have worked at the same stage. Um all weekend long. I, I just, I, I love it more than anything for that competitive equity aspect. Do you know anyone who's shot for more than a couple of years and hasn't lost a good stage to a pre-tape target? Of, uh, I think it happens to everybody. I think you're right. Exactly. And it doesn't happen at all because the only people touching a paster can also call a score. Mm-hmm. Uh, staff reset. Yeah. Hmm. And the, yeah. the only the, the arguments I hear against staff reset, it's I, I don't think they're great arguments. Uh, I think it's mostly. Well, I won't go there. Uh, I won't talk about the kind of people that have a problem with staff reset, but it, it's it's it, something about uh, the sense of volunteerism in this world. I think it's a testament to volunteerism. 
if you have enough yeah. staff in your area, if you have enough staff to run it that way, like you, would you purposely not like out of some sense of quote unquote volunteerism, like you need competitors to, to walk down there, like you said, potato, like with a pacer on their hand, then walk back because someone else got to it. Like to me, this is, it's a testament to volunteerism that we have enough, you know, dedicated staff who are willing to do this. That's just me. Well, and if you live in driving distance, you know, you can sort of make that decision for yourself. It's, do I want to staff the area next door or do I want to staff my, you know, and, and have my area match be where I sort of express my competitive impulse or do I want to show up somewhere else? But it's not like we, we have to tax the same sort of traveling RO core to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't understand uh, any sort of argument against it other than lack of staff availability, which I, I mean, I get that, but you are a hundred percent right at the same time. How many times have you shot a stage where an RO is literally going around and touching every target, but they 100% refuse to put a paster on that target. And it's, it's like, well, like, I don't, I don't totally as somebody who, you know, does RO has RO, uh, much more locals, but like, I don't understand that concept that an RO, I just, I won't, I refuse to tape a target. It's just more efficient. I, I can't. And yes, I can't imagine being the guy. And maybe I am at some point, in which case you are welcome to shoot me. The guy who stands <laughs> at the back of the bay after everybody has gone back up range. Right. And just stands there and says, this target isn't restored. Excuse me. We need a paster. We need a paster for this target. Like, yeah, you know, I could put a roll in my pocket if I'm that RO and I could paste that target. Like, it wasn't like malevolence or neglect. Right. Someone just didn't paste that target. Right. And so, like, if it's, if it's no, if you're already making the steps to go to every single target, why not bring a tape gun and save 20 people those steps? I, I, that makes sense to me. Uh, if there's people have don't like it, then I, I'd love to hear your argument against it. But, yeah, that sounds sounds cool. So yeah, that sounds that sounds good. Uh, I'm I am pretty leery about a basically brand new uh, club hosting nationals. Uh, you know, I don't especially like I don't know what like if Yemen was running nationals this year, and then now is Ted Murphy running nationals. Uh, like what are they, especially with, I mean, the one that's coming up in July, like what are they doing for that? I don't even, who's, who's the MD for that? I don't know. Maybe they've, I don't know that they've discussed that anywhere. I don't know if I've seen that discussed, but the, the, I, I, I am a little bit leery of having nationals at a, at a brand new club like that. So potato having just been there and shot the Buckeye blast should CO Nats competitors be worried. Um, I, there's a couple of things that if I was uh, serious about going to CO Nationals that I would practice, and that would be stacked mm -hmm. targets. Because if you have narrow bays and somebody doesn't design for a narrow bay, and they're like, oh, we got to get 28 rounds onto this bay. Um, well, these used to be two freestanding targets at different depths. Why don't we make them one target stand with two targets on it? And we'll make it harder because we'll partial. The top one. Uh, and I would say half the stages at that match had that. And I'm sure the matchbook for CO Nats doesn't have that. But when people go to build it on the ground and mm. they they feel 
sort of the lateral constraints of narrow bays, there'll be a lot of stack targets. Mm. Um, I don't know what their prop situation is. Um, like a lot of clubs, it's a mix. It's not all one style of steel. And, um, and like, you know, like every, every match that uses full-size poppers, there were some calibration issues with full-size forward fall poppers and big gusts of wind coming up on the north facing bays. No more plates either. And we can't use plates. Plates, plates are very, very Plates hard. are done. I'm not sure how the rest of the world manages to use them successfully <laughs> at every single match. Yeah, that's uh yeah. Uh we, I we, guess we, we nuked the plate problem. Yeah, we fixed it. We got that one fixed. Uh the the positive is that the all the berms face to the north, right? That is correct. You you are not gonna the sun is not an issue. Okay. That's at least I mean that's at least a, a big positive because that like frostproof, you you could really, really get screwed. I mean, even even where they have area six, Rowan County, if you're down in those bottom right bays, if you're right when the sun crests the bay, if you're shooting tight group and you look towards the sun, like you're not seeing another target for at least seven or eight seconds. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty bad. Hmm. Well, cool. Plenty uh, of parking, you know, again, Columbus is like an easy place to visit. Really easy to get to pretty close to middle of the country for a lot of people. Uh, that's a long freaking drive from Texas. And a, you can get one of those uh, Ohio is for lovers t-shirts. You I guys see those? Do they have those? <laughs> Somewhere, yeah. <laughs> I've heard when about I, Virginia. This is news to me that Ohio is for yeah. lovers. See, I thought Ohio I've seen the t-shirt. I've seen the t-shirt. <laughs> Everything you think you know about Kentucky is true about Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> you take that for what it's worth. <laughs> is is this where ironside nationals is supposed to be yes yeah yes sir you'll be there in uh don't worry jeff doesn't pay attention to that because he's just like you're picking me up jeremy right and he's just gonna get in the car and sleep and we'll just show up somewhere like oh okay this is cool well rested i so i look i hope co nats goes really well but if it doesn't, I hope it helps them like sort things out for irons, nats. That's yeah, exactly that what it'll do. Right? <laughs> My home range is hosting an area match. This is our second year. We're going to do such a better job than we did last year. Yeah. So if you think about this range, if they have their state match six weeks later, they have the first nationals. By the time they get to the really complicated iron sites nationals with a bunch of different divisions doing a bunch of different crazy stuff, um, people should have it pretty well figured yeah. out. We can hope. There's also those same big rifle bays that they refuse to use at CMP. It looks like they're refusing to use in Ohio. I mean, you can make an amazing stage with that 100-yard oh. rifle bay. That'd that be so cool. Berms. Yeah. It does have side berms? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know like why you wouldn't CMP. use it. I don't, I don't understand why you wouldn't use that. Uh, I mean, you don't have to use all of it. <laughs> you just... Oh, all of it. Oh, well, that would be nice too, but yeah, I want a I want yeah. a huge stage. Shannon always did really cool stuff with the big bays down at Frostproof. Yep, he he always used the space. It, 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 that's sort of like his hallmark as a stage designer. He used the space 
magnificently. That mm-hmm. 270 degree berm all the way yeah. across the roof. It's like, yeah, yeah. Like, what a canvas to have as a stage designer. Yeah. You can do some neat <laughs> stuff there. Yeah. Hopefully, they'll reconsider that. Uh, all right. Tyler, Jeff, you have some sort of uh, stage breakdown system. Is that, am I, am I articulating that correctly? Is Jeff very interested in this? I am very Maybe interested. She- uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's close. It's, that's an element of it for sure. I think okay. you're, so you talk about the, the block I taught at uh, training group at the summit. Um, so what it, what it really, really boils down to is it's kind of a, a mental system, a system for discipline more than anything. And part of it is like the stage breakdown is and being very detailed, but like big picture, it's sort of like, let me start at the beginning. I get okay. really frustrated by the way people talk about the mental game in the sport. Like, you know, forgive me, but the Anderson S thing and like the positive thinking and, you know, you know, hope it, wish it, believe it, and manifest itself into exist. Like uh-huh. it, that stuff drives me Jeremy, crazy. Jeremy hates all that shit. <laughs> I can't stand it. So, like, this yeah. is more of like a mechanistic system, like okay. like concrete steps, like an approach to take with you to be disciplined, where you're not taking any, like, you're not leaving anything, you know, to mystic forces beyond your control. Like, you're in control of every aspect of this. So I think the the basis of driving discipline in your shooting is making good decisions. And um, watch me, I'm going to forget the thing. Uh, making good decisions, applying the correct sequence of operations, and doing all this in the proper priority. So okay. the way I kind of presented this at the summit is say you've got a guy who knows he's got to go faster, like fairly accurate. He can hit all the stuff, but he's getting blown out on points or on the flip side. Yeah. Flip side. You got a guy who's raw, raw time champ every time, but can't hit anything shooting 75% of the points. And let's just take the, the turtle. For example, he knows he must go faster. And so he wakes up on Saturday morning, going to a local match. He's in the truck on the drive and he sent, uh, I'm going to go fast for this match. Like I'm going to, I'm going to like uh, uh, at least be within shouting distance of the, uh, the low time on every stage, you know, that's, that's the outcome I want to achieve. And he goes to the match and doesn't accomplish it. You could pick you guys, for example, have you ever, you know, woken up or local or, or major or whatever and said, this is my particular goal. This is what I want to have happen at the match. And it just, that one thing you've identified and you bomb it just goes completely the opposite way. Yeah, probably. So I think, so my, my theory at least is you can make a big decision, but a lot of times it's really just a hope or a wish you haven't, you've made a decision, but you haven't made the subsequent decisions and the smaller decisions, smaller, 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 get more and more granular in your decision-making. It's really the small decisions that make, make or break what's going to happen on the stage. So I think it's, 
that's kind of like step one. It's making good decisions and making all decisions all the way down on what you're going to do. So for example, for example, like if your goal is to, to shoot better points, um, you know, you're the hoser. This is the easy example. Um, it's not enough to just say, I want to shoot better points or I'll shoot yeah. like, you know, 95% of points It's well, what do I have to do to accomplish that? Like, have I got to be visually disciplined? I've got to identify on every target, like the appropriate level of confirmation. I've got to not give my permit, not give myself permission visually to transition off this target until the second shot has, has broken. Right. And then after you've identified all the, the decisions and you've gone to a very granular level, then you have to build that back up in the proper sequence. So I think a lot of people get like out of order in what they're supposed to be doing or they skip a step. And so it predictably leads to disaster or at least errors, if not outright disaster. So I think breaking it all down to the element elementary particles of shooting, and then you put that back together in the proper sequence, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, like, and then for wherever you are in the sequence, you know what your priority is at that given time. I think that's, that's a good recipe for, for discipline shooting. Um, an example so is what like, would be like a sequence for you. So, um, so distance change up, right. Um, and it doesn't matter if, if it's an array resembling distance change up in a stage, or if it's just the drill distance change up, that was the example Which, I used at summit. So you, so just explain the drill just in case there's listeners that don't know what the drill is. Yeah. So it's uh two open targets, um, kind of on either side of you. I think the distance is five yards. The standard is five yards. And then you've got, um, typically a head box right in front of you at 15 yards. And so the engagement is just draw to pick a side, run it left to right or right to left. Okay. Or the more fun way, which is uh, start in the head box and come in. You That's could do that. You have to make one decision. Yeah. I want to I wanna shoot one good shot at the head, head box, trust my grip, and then just accelerate. Sorry. No, no, I, that's... I, but, so, but basically, it's like a fast, slow, fast uh, type of engagement. Yeah, yeah, very much so. <clears throat> very much so. <clears throat> Sorry, that makes for good pod coughing. It does. Um, it does. <laughs> but no, so like how I would, the decisions I would make on that, um, I got to decide like, what do I need to see on the open, on that first open target? First, I got to decide, I got to get my gun out. So that's the first step. Um, I want to be hyper aware of like how the gun, how the grip feels when I assume like the perfect grip. I want the perfect grip off the draw. So I know exactly where my hand needs to land on uh, on the back strap and under the beaver beaver tail to give me a good start. Um, that's kind of the foundation of, of everything. So that's I want to be hyper aware of the feeling in the gun in my hand as I'm snatching it out of the holster. I need to decide basically what I need to see on the open stuff. Um, my, uh, the point I'm going to pick with my eyes to drive the gun there. Um, and this is all stuff. So you make the decisions. That's the point. You make the decisions for each target and the sequence of them together. 
And then instead of like, if you want to drive the time down, what you don't do is say, just go faster because ultimately that's meaningless. Cause so you're, you're making see less, right? Like, so you're going to be like, Hey, it's okay to break the shot. As long as my eyes looking at the letter a on five yards, yeah. it's okay to break the shot. For instance, if I feel like my gun is in front of me, it's okay. So I'm going to see right. less and that's my decision. Right. And then like, so, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. Like instead of like taking the drill as a whole and saying, well, I just got to go faster. That's you're not making any decision at all. Like in essence, what I need to do is make a decision. Well, do I need to see equal height, equal light, like in the perforated A and clear relief on these close open targets? No, not at all. I can decide to take very little confirmation at all. Probably if my index is refined, um, I really need to only see the outline of the gun and I can rip two. And if your recoil control is refined enough, you know, it's they're going to stack anyway. Now, yeah. this is scalable for skill level. That's me. If B-class Bobby does it, he probably needs to experiment with that level of confirmation on our, all the targets, but the open too. He may need to see just a little bit more. But the point is, it's not a faster, slower thing. It's we're making different decisions to achieve the good result. So, so if I want to get more points, I don't just walk up to the drill and be like, all right, well, now I'm going to now I'm going to get the points on the far target mm -hmm. because I want them. Yeah, that and that's that's it. It's like, you know, because I think we're all riding this seesaw to a certain extent, you know, the points versus time. It, we're all riding that seesaw all the time. But what I see too often is a guy will go up and he'll shoot, quote unquote, slow and he'll get all the alphas. Well, I got his feet up. Well, what does he do? He he just goes faster, bro, and you know, drops Charlie Delta on the first open. He slings one over the head, barely hangs one on the perf, um, and then you know, another Charlie Delta or whatever on the open target. Okay, what does he do? Uh, I gotta get alphas this time. And so he just slows back down and gets all his alphas to say it's just up and down and up. It's not productive. Whereas it, I think if you said instead, if you thought of it in terms of those micro decisions to make for each target and you're tweaking confirmation, like you can point to that. You can say this consistently is this particular aspect of technique, this decision I'm making is leading to this result. And you can tweak and experiment with it from there. I think it's sort of freedom from the seesaw of points and speed you know so you're going to make actionable decisions and you're going to actionable decisions in sh per shot per movement per whatever per action yeah. make a decision and this is for you the root of discipline discipline yeah and you're going to learn something instead of you know if i go out and i say i turn on speed mode and i sling points everywhere i don't know why that happened other than i was going i, I was just going too fast to me, that doesn't give me any data whatsoever. And, you know, on the flip side, if I turn on points mode or whatever, you know, bullseye mode, um, and I hit all my alphas, I really don't know why I'm doing all this, except, you know, it's just a, a linear uh, uh, spectrum of uh, points or speed. I think it's a, it's a total false dichotomy. It's more about the decisions you're making
these micro decisions that lead to the result. I got to hijack this for one second because I posted this in you all's Discord just a couple of weeks ago um, on this exact drill, distance change up. I was working out with a buddy of mine uh, who I like to go to matches with, and we simplified it. So we started drawing to the, the 15 yard no shoot. So we would only have one speed direction, right? So we just accelerate. And my goal is go out, sort of shoot it in live fire, is I wanted to start at like my working weight. So like, you know, if you're lifting weights in the gym, instead of like laddering up, you know, you can start with an empty bar, throw a plate. All right, you know, now I'm gonna put two plates on, right? Now I'm getting up to my working, you know, so now I'm gonna put a couple of 25s on, right? Like, and you get into your working weight, it's like, I'm just gonna start at my working speed, like at the speed where I will make a mistake. Um, and then I will make this, so actually this is, I'm not disagreeing with you. Then I'll make a decision about that mistake, right? And so like, you know, when I started drawing to the, the head box, the the mistake I was making was not hitting it, uh, <laughs> but but I was not hitting it in a really specific way. I was I was getting the gun to the target in time, but I wasn't seeing enough to hit. It. So I made a decision to see more before I broke the first shot. But I held everything else constant because I liked what was happening on everything else. It was just a nice snappy transition and like an appropriate split on the open. So it's like okay, I'm just going to see more. So I run it again. Didn't see quite enough, right? So it's like Alpha Mike, right? Run it again. Two Charlies. All right, I'm going to see a little bit more. Okay, two Alpha. Right. So it's like, I know exactly, like, I'm not just dialing up speed or dialing up accuracy, like in, in like a drill context, I'm actually holding everything constant and I'm experimenting with like one decision at a time. Again, this is not like how, how to break down a stage, but like in a training context, it's like, okay, what if I just see more on this target or, you know, transition mm -hmm. more aggressively on that target and hold everything else constant. Mm -hmm. And I was really proud of myself because I'm, not a very fast guy. And I, and I went out there and I like hit the working speed on, on the first string. And so the first one was fastest and they just got slower, not by going slower, but by seeing more until I got like the result I wanted. Anyway. Yeah. No, that that's perfect illustration. I mean, you can isolate, you can isolate the decisions. It, it's not a faucet, like it's either on or off. You know, it's you can isolate a specific element within the drill or the array or the stage or what have you and and focus on that. Uh, to me, I, I think it's it's liberating. It's kind of like freeing yourself from that. You know, it's either points or speed. I think, like I said, I think it's this is uh, a high hit factor stage. So I'm just going to I you just got you just got to hang them all on brown. Hang well, them all in, bro. Put in those two targets. They put in that 18-yard mini popper for guys like me who just want to, like, <laughs> go flat out. So I'll send five at it, right? Like, I can make a decision. I can see something totally different on that than I'm seeing on these close overs. Yeah, That's well, all. I think one way to uh, – another way to kind of put this, and I I mean, I think I heard this from, from Ben a long time ago, but, like, if you're it, – it's either – if you're going too fast and not hitting enough, you're going – slower than you want to but hitting everything to go either direction you have to you have to sacrifice something like if you're going too slow uh and you're but you're hitting everything then you have to sacrifice something and this this process gives you a way okay let's make a decision about what we're willing to sacrifice like where can i sacrifice something i don't necessarily need to sacrifice on every every aspect of it right i don't have to draw faster. I don't have to reload faster. I don't have to shoot faster splits. I don't have to run fast. Like I don't have to do all of that. Like let's first just make a decision. Okay. I'm just going to try to present the gun earlier in places and be ready to shoot sooner and see, okay, is that I can make that sacrifice 
and and is that going to get me what I want? Uh, there's there's four really close open targets, so I'm just going to shoot those with with really bur blurry sights, and I'm going to see what that sacrifice if that gets me the speed I want without dropping too many points. Uh, so I, I think that yeah, there's I think that's a really great way to systematize how do we sacrifice that. And the other thing, if you're going too fast and and not and not getting points, where am I going to sacrifice time? Because obviously you're going to have to give up time some way somehow to get to get better hits. You uh, are, but, but for me, man, I can't sacrifice time because like the time's non-negotiable, like in our game, right? Like the time will be sacrificed, but I'm going to sacrifice time in the form of attention. I'm going to pay more attention Correct. to something and that will take time, but I'm not just going to, cause I, I have learned I can make mistakes slowly. Right. Like, like I yes. can aim and I love iron sights for this. Cause I can like aim, like really mm -hmm. aim like in the old classical sense at a piece of steel and then move the gun as I pull the trigger. Right. So it's like no amount of time prevents me from pulling the trigger with my whole hand. If you know, I prevent right. that by just pulling the trigger. Well, and, yeah. The, and, sorry, Jeremy. Go ahead. Well, I think the I think the 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 time issue. Sometimes you have to identify. Okay, is am I slow because I'm missing steel and I have a bunch of makeup shots, or am I like am I slow because I'm dropping mags, or you know, is that is my shooting actually what's slow, or is that what's slow? Uh, but yeah, the the going the getting better hits. Sometimes it's it's allowing yourself to feel like you're meant like process, like you're slower mentally when really it doesn't. We talked about this in the last podcast that you're not actually slower. It's just, you end up processing more info because you allow yourself to process more, but it feels like a sacrifice. If I, if I walk up a stage and I know exactly how long it took me, I'd shot it poorly. <laughs> yeah. I should, I should, I should be a couple seconds faster than I think I am. Cause I should be paying so much attention that like I have time distortion. Yeah. But if for I sure. walk off the stage and I'm like, that was an 11 second run and it's 11 seconds is like, oh, that's not going to be good. Yeah. Because I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't, yeah. And I, I think the, a big advantage of a system, you know, and I'm not a, a I'm not preaching the gospel of Tyler or anything, but I, at the that's advantage of. the shirt too. <laughs> Jeff wants his system. He wants to walk through his next match with the Tyler Turner system for guaranteed victory. So. Yes, but uh, the the advantage of a system like this, you know, is it takes the mystery out of things. You meet a lot of guys who are very frustrated because they don't they'll have a result and they can't understand it, or they can't interpret what happened or understand why. You know, I think if you can understand why something's happening is because I made a specific decision. Good things and bad things are going to happen. You take that data and you add it to your library. We're all constantly building our library in training, you know, theoretically in training that we're going to take to the match with us. And I think the more, the, the more fleshed out, the more data in my library, you know, the more I, I know then what I can do at the match. And, you know, it's not, I'm not left wondering, well, why did this happen? You know, why did I, you know, back to the very first example, like, why did I go to the match with this goal of 95% of the points and instead I shot eight mics and four no shoots, you know? Yeah. Well, if you do this intuitively, don't you? Because you've talked about, like, if you're rusty, you just get better sight pictures. 
right? Like, or if your grip's not great, you just pull the trigger slower versus like people like me, we're not that smart. We're like, you know, <laughs> my grip's poor. I just keep pulling the trigger at the same speed and wonder why it's not working out. Jeremy feels me on this. Yes. <laughs> yes, very much so. Like, why can I not just replicate my best results all the time? <laughs> That's a great question. I, yeah, I don't understand that either. It's not fair. Jeff, is this, is this the answers you were looking for? All the answers I needed. You're doomed, Jeremy. But <laughs> <laughs> you two shoot kind of alike, Jeff and Tyler. Honestly, like Jeff's a really disciplined shooter. Yeah, I will say like when I'm, like you said, when I'm out of practice and uh, I'm not seeing everything as well, like I don't go the same speed. Like my hits will probably be very similar to what they always are. I'll just be much, much slower. And that's when I know I haven't been shooting or I'm out of practice. So you just, yeah. you, you gear down naturally, naturally. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I don't have like this uh, clock, right? Like I don't shoot according to a clock. Mm -hmm. I shoot more like visual. So if I'm not seeing it, I don't pull the trigger. Mm -hmm. If it's if the sights aren't steady, I'm not going to shoot. Um, not all the time, obviously, because I still miss shit and shoot terrible sometimes. But for the most part, like as a general rule, I will slow down when I'm out of practice or not trained up. Well, I also think you lie to yourself less. Do I? Right. Yeah. Cause there's like an element of like lying to yourself about what these, what Tyler's decisions, what they'll produce. And I think that's to your benefit. I, I could learn to do a little bit less of that. Could be, could be. I should have an inner, back me up. I, a bit oh, I, there's like an inner goblin inside that says, just pull the trigger. Like, it's fine. Just pull It'll the trigger. It'll be fine, man. Or it's it's that, been that way too terrible. long. Maybe it's a delta. Exactly. A delta. You call exactly. it bad. Maybe it's a delta. You don't need to shoot it again. It's fine, man. Like get on your bike and go. Yeah. Has that, I, Jeremy, has at some point in your shooting career, like, was that beneficial to think that way? For to, to, th to shoot that way. To 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 think like just feel like a sense of urgency. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just like. To just like did the goblin ever help you yeah the god yeah exactly uh with a lot of training so like, like you're trained up to where like you and the goblin are neck and neck and and that's right. when it works right like he like training training the the errors out by volume Interesting. uh and so then and so then at that point then it's like yeah i can ignore the goblin simply by because I can just go that fast because I'm trained up that to shoot like that. Um, okay. Do you have an inner monologue, like an inner shooting monologue? Uh, at matches, yes. Yeah. Like I, I so wish the goblin, I he's not just hanging around; like he's shouting at you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and I'm I'm shouting back. It's not just him. Like it's right. it's a it's a it's a oh it's a conversation. It's a dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like like I'm telling like. Like no, I don't want to. I don't want to be shooting. I don't need to shoot that fast on a on a twenty yard no shoot target. Like I can, a fifty hmm. splits fine there. I don't need to try to shoot twenty five splits. Uh, but some, a lot of times he wins, and that's yeah. that's the that's a problem. 
I had an amazing little conversation match this weekend in my head where (laughs) there was a clover leaf on a head box on a standard stage and I put a round through it, like right through it. And and (laughs) then I had this conscious interruption of like, I hope the RO saw that, right? (laughs) It's not even like a perfect double. It's like I have three holes and there's nothing. Like I just put a fourth round like right through the middle of it. It's like, man, I hope the RO saw that. Right. And I'm moving out of position after I shoot this. And it's just a two step movement. And in the time of those two steps, I had that thought of, man, I hope the RO saw that. And then I had the thought of, oh, wait, I'm not done. There's still two more rounds. <laughs> Where do I have to go? Oh, yeah, I'm going here. And by the time, like, I, I got back on process, like, the next target was available. And so, like, from the outside, nobody was filming, but from the outside filming it, you would see none of that. Right? Yeah, because like the programming was deep enough that like my legs carried me where they need to go. The gun showed up where it's supposed to go, but I had like this total like moment of sort of clarity of hmm. wait, what am I doing here? Oh yeah, I'm shooting. It's like good thing my legs didn't stop. Like good thing I don't stop to think anymore. Yeah, that's you guys. Uh, you guys ever either uh, train live fire or dry fire, uh, listening to music or headphones in, listening to anything for that matter? Can't. I can't. It just a- so I have been doing this lately, but I don't listen to music. I just listen to brown noise. And so what I is started brown actually noise? dry is fire. That, is that racist? That, no, it's louder white noise, man. It's, like, it's more distracting white noise. It's just like deeper. It's just like a deeper white noise. It's a different frequency. But yeah, like as soon as I go out to dry fire, put them in and crank it up. Because I don't know if this is, you know, ADHD related or what, but like any sound distracts me from thought. So dropping a mag on the ground, like seating a mag, just any sort of sound will will distract me. So I try to drown it all out. I do the same. I've been doing the same in live fire. I'll, I'll put them in, crank it up to where I can't hear anything other than the gun going off. Because it also drowns out your breathing. You know, if, if you have earplugs in, you still get your breathing. If you run hard, you hear yourself breathing. If you have brown noise, you don't even hear that. I don't think I've ever like recognized hearing myself breathing like during practice. Oh, once I become aware of it, I can't do anything else until I stop being aware of it. (laughs) But that's where I was going with that. Like for you guys that have an inner monologue and are not sociopaths like me, <laughs> white noise, white noise, brown noise, something like that, because it's almost a form of sensory deprivation. Where like the sense that you want, the vision, like you're you're forcing yourself to to put all like your your energy into the, the visual yeah. sense. I mean, in a yeah. match, when I walk to the line, I take off my electronic ears because I'm I'm wearing foamies underneath. Right? It's like I don't. There's nothing important that I'm going to get from my ears. I can hear a beep through foamies. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to be part of the world. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've said it a couple times in the discord. Like I'm, it almost doesn't matter what it is. If I have like some, some sound deprivation, some way to drown out some excess noise, like I'm better at whatever I'm doing. I should try music. It was just a, a, I mean, it, it bugged me in, in dry fire, but I should try it at matches. Yeah, I couldn't do music. Couldn't do it. Mm. It makes me want to get, because I've got like the Premiere ears. Is it Premiere or Sound Gear? Uh, 
you know, like the nice noise canceling uh, earbuds, like custom molded and yeah. stuff. I I want them. I want them at a like a price deal a long time ago. But I think they make those with Bluetooth now. So it kind of makes me want. They're really expensive, but it kind of makes me want to uh, like get some with Bluetooth and then I don't know, run some music or something. They also yeah. make a bone conduction canceller. So you've you know bone conduction ear earphones. They make a bone conduction like brown noise. Uh, hmm. Maybe we got to shoot with those, Jeff. <laughs> uh, in the pursuit of getting better at shooting, I've never considered. I've never considered this avenue. Um, but, you really never. I, mean, I have friends who dry fire with music. Every video they send me, I can hear like music, and it's like they're vibing. And it's like if I could hear that, I'd like stop and listen to the song. Like I, I have like, podcasts. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I have podcasts and stuff like that going all the time. Like during dry fire, not during live fire, but during dry fire, I do. Oh, I stop and listen to it, man. I can't listen to like people talk saying things with words. Like I'll I'll forget what I'm doing and just listen. And so, Jeremy, your uh, your old world shoot teammate Randy Arrowwood, you remember the chill fire stuff yes. he used to do? Yeah, it's not like dancing with the gun. <laughs> I yeah, I I loved. I mean, and it, it, you know that's oh how gosh. he got. He basically just got loose, like just mm -hmm. just chill out, and like he shot better when he was just loose, just having fun. Uh, and that that was how he did it. I I don't know if that would. I don't know if the dancing and stuff. I don't think that would work well for me. No, no. Yeah. I got to look up some videos of him. That would work great for me. If, I, if, I'm, yeah. if I'm jumping around being a jackass, then, then I shoot my best. Yeah. Randy. And, and if it drags down the rest of the squad a little bit, I guess to my benefit. Even better. <laughs> I like that strategy. If yeah. I can dance and screw Jeff up, then I'll start dancing at Dude, I, I was doing jumping jacks and like jump squats. <laughs> like like after make ready, I would tell the RO, like put down your hand for a second. I can do some jump squats. Do a couple of jump squats. All right. What's <laughs> moving? All right. Now I'm going to load my gun. <laughs> Whatever works, man. I guess. A little sprints too between the bays. Get your heart rate, ba rate back up. So these long layoffs with a uh, staff reset. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I really like that. I like that system because I somewhat feel the same way with the, the Lanny Bassam and the Steve Anderson and the just the positive, like thinking positive. Uh, and then that's just going to manifest into to being positive. I. <laughs> Jeremy, you don't somewhat think that way. You have like zero tolerance for heavy horse shit. The moment we even like suggest anything that might involve like positive self talk, you like discard it as rapidly as possible. And well, in the opposite direction. I don't. I don't totally the discard idea it. That you would start from the position that hey, I'm competent at this and I'm going to do well is utterly unacceptable to you, Jeremy. Well, it's. I just it's. It's antithetical to who I am as a person. Uh, to to be sure, like and so, like I I I struggle with, and so I probably shouldn't poo poo uh, that that Happy line. Happy worship. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, like there, like there does need to be a real. You need to be real with yourself of what is it that require is required of a good performance. Are you saying uh, this isn't my year? I I've been repeating this is my year every every, every, every morning when I wake up fifteen to twenty times. It's the post it unofficially. Unofficially, the, I I will have a very strong finish this year. Oh yeah, you got the I, post it with your affirmation on the bathroom mirror, everything. Uh, yeah, I I, I don't want to step further. I got I stenciled it onto the wall. Uh, nice. 
No, I, I don't want to shit talk it either. I mean, look, it, everyone needs a system. If it works for somebody, you know, by all means, like carry on. Yeah. Uh, but, Jeff, you know, the I, title of this is uh, Tyler Turner says Lanny Bassam's full of shit. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's but the what title if you could have? One. What if you could have both though, Jeremy? What if you were like really like confident, believed in yourself and you had a really great system? Like what could stop you? Nothing. I, mean, I, I well, think Jeff that would Hoffman. be good. Talent could still stop you. Uh, yeah. your, your inner no your inner goblin, your inner goblin could stop you. You don't understand yeah, how, your, how your system defeats your goblin. Your goblin I, is no match for your system. The point of a system is it puts your goblin in a little box where your goblin no longer gets to influence your performance. I don't think y'all understand how strong like this is like the white orc. In have you Lord of the Rings? Like this have that's you the, an arm. It's like he dies in the end, man. Yeah, that, but it took I, a long time. Jeremy, I think you're from your description. I, I think your system may be schizophrenia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no joke. How to make the world shoot team through schizophrenia and repetition? <laughs> that was actually my next question. I was like, "Have you ever taken one of those autism tests?" <laughs> there's, there's, there's well, a good chance there's some spectrum in there. Me these really high scores. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, there's a there's a I'm chance there's some spectrum in there. That's okay though. Yeah. All right. Hey, before we do anything else or wrap this up here pretty quick, probably um, let's do shout outs and Shears Connection. So today's episode is brought to you by Shears Connection. Thank you to them for sponsoring today's show. Shears Connection sponsors a lot of matches. I believe it's over a hundred a year um, throughout the country. They're run by competitive shooters. They're your one-stop shop for all your competitive shooting needs. And they are doing same-day shipping. So thank you, Sears Connection. Please support them. Use the link below. That helps us out and uh, keeps them going in the sport, keeps them supporting matches, which we do appreciate. Also, Patreon shout-out from Jay Headland Shooting. Jeremy, do you want to read it? Uh, I mean, uh, yes. Uh, John Headland says, "Shout out to all the Discord members to support the Patreon and enjoy and join the exclusive club." He's getting a little lonely. Yeah. Uh, also, he is listening to us record right now. New perk. New perk of the Patreon is you get to live listen to the recordings so and we get to see like his gunsmithing which honestly i've seen a lot more out of that than read custom <laughs> he he produces a lot quicker than i do i i won't yes. i won't deny that he doesn't have that special texture on the front strap though no no uh it's you and one other guy right uh, yeah, so the, the like Ned Christensen has what's kind of like a he calls it his frag pattern, and then I I call mine the ego. They're they're similar. You can look at I think at least I think I can look at both of them and and see very distinct differences. Um, but yeah, the, there's kind of other people have done it. Um, it's just a grid pattern is all it is. But yeah, I I like it um, on my guns. Um, but yeah, the, and and John has access to chat while we are uh, recording, so he can send out special questions if he wants while we're recording. So, yeah, there you go. 
you get something for Patreon. Yeah. And but there's also, special secret sauce that happens in the Patreon shout out. Yeah. Too. So all that being said, Patreon link is in the description. Um, yeah. Okay. So Tyler, was that, did you, did you get your whole message out or was there like, is there a next step to this or. No. Well, the, the way I kind of framed it, like just for, class purposes you know just to put it in order you know first is making the good decisions second is applying all those decisions in the correct sequence and then three is just putting everything in its proper priority or the other way to think about it is like wherever you are in the stage like there's always many tasks we have to do we're always doing several things at once but there's only ever one priority so for us guys in low cap, like that's, <clears throat> you've got a long distance and you got a load, you know, do you prioritize the movement or the load, you know, that mm -hmm. classic thing, or, you know, if the easy example would be, you know, if you have to, if you need to load, you have one step of movement in which to load, you know, what should be your priority? That one's fairly obvious, but stuff like thinking about what the, even when it's not obvious, like wherever you happen to be in the stage, what's the next step that must happen? Like what, what is the priority? What should I be prioritizing right this minute? And it, it changes wherever you are in the stage, wherever you are running that program. So. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I like that. That's, that's a golden nugget right there. Is that how you go about your visualization? Yeah, this is, this is actually my, my whole mental system. Like I kind of said, like, how do I, you know, when I was when I was prepping for the summit, it's like uh, it's kind of going back on back and forth on what I want to teach. Like, well, you know, I think this mental system works for me. Why not try to distill it down into like something I can teach or at least share mm -hmm. with others? So that's what I came up with. That's really how I approach things. It's like I want to split everything down about this stage to the most minute details I can, and then I want to do everything in proper in the proper order, like a proper order of operations. And I want to, to give priority to the thing that's most, most vital at any given point. So it's really, so do you, so those things that are most vital at any given point, you know, how you said it changes like through different sections of the stage. Right? Yeah. So do you use like those specific things as like mile markers essentially? Yeah. A lot of times I do like if, um, you know, if you're entering like a, uh, if you're entering an array that has very tricky, or you have to be very precise in your foot positioning, say into a lean, and you mm -hmm. can only see the three targets you must take around this wall, it, it can only be done from one position. So my 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 foot placement and my lean and the amount of crouch and my squat or whatever has to be very precise. So yeah. that's what I'm going to be prioritizing instead of like just raw foot speed entering that position. I'm probably going to break earlier. I'm probably going to take a little less momentum into that position. I'm probably yeah. in my walkthrough going to have picked very precise stage markers. My left big toe goes on this rock or I should be, you know, a couple inches off the stake in the fault line, whatever it may be. I want mm -hmm. to drive that level of detail so that I don't have to take, you know, a shuffle step and cause myself 
a, a half second in positioning, like for no reason whatsoever. And then do you process that in real time or is that looking back what happened because you had enough detail? Sorry, this is always an interesting question for me. No, I, so it's, these things are all going to be identified and walked through and then visualized to an appropriate degree uh, to where it all, it's basically, I'm just getting a sneak peek. Um, so when I'm running this live, it's almost like a, I just have a quick memo, like this is next and this is next and this is next. Yeah. Oh, but it's yeah. the next thing. It's not the current thing. So like in your example, like you want to hit that lean just perfect. And so you're going to start breaking at this rock that you had picked mm -hmm. up and walk through. Yeah. Like as that, when that happened, would you have like the presence of mind to be like, there's my rock. Like I need to be like sinking down on my hips or just looking back, if somebody took video, they'd be like, hey, you started breaking right there. And you're like, yeah, that's what I planned. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I'm, I'm going to cue myself, you know, something, not everything needs a cue, like a conscious cue. But if it's something tricky like that, if, if, if the foot positioning is that vital, I'm probably going to cue myself, like as I'm leaving the last array. And it, it, it's not a, a verbal thing. It's not, uh, I'm not saying, oh, remember that. Like, you got to start breaking this rock and hit, hit uh, put your big toe on this stake or whatever else. It's just almost an intuitive reminder from something I visualized. It's almost like uh, a memory, even though it hasn't happened yet, or a little bit of deja vu or something like that. Because I've, I've run it and I've, I've memorized it, I've visualized it. Um, so I trust that it's going to happen. But it's just um, something I'm going to cue myself for when I'm running the stage. Sorry, I'm going to keep asking you questions because I know Jeff needs this. Yeah, hey, ask away. Ask away. Because this is, again, this is really fascinating to me, like how much presence of mind in the moment, in the execution. Because, like, people with goblins, um, and I'm going to borrow Jeremy's goblins, then, like, deviation from that. Yeah. Causes like an interruption to the next thing. So let's say I miss my foot marker, right? Now I'm not decelerating anymore. I'm thinking about missing the foot marker I missed, right? And so right. I'm like, in like at a higher level, shooters, if they have that interruption, it's almost seamless back on the plan. And like at a lower level, like me, that interruption, then I crash into that position. Like I fall out of the fault lines, I step back in, and then I fish around for the target. But where I made that mistake isn't that I didn't break soon enough, really. Like, I could have still recovered. It's I, I stopped doing what I was doing because I was thinking about the cue that I yeah. Did. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was talking to a guy locally at the last match, and, and what the way he described it, it's very similar. He said, you know, I can – I'm running a plan. Everything's going according to plan. It's more or less subconscious. And then if an error occurs, it's like my conscious brain now says, well, you up that up. I better take over. You know, it's like subconscious can't handle it. Conscious mind has to come in and save the day, which is always a disaster. It's always just you, then you're going to compound errors. So I think, yeah, if you can. It's always what's next, what's next, what's next? There's no. There's no. Opportunity like for. For retrospection there's no, there's no, or there's no, no reflection at all it's yeah just, 
this immediate future orientation. If there's all yeah, there's only the now and the very near future. The, the if future that makes sense. Touching the now, right? Like yeah, yeah. Now. <laughs> like the next frame. If you want to think in terms like yeah, yeah, that. Twenty four frames per second. I'm in one frame, and <clears> there's <throat> the next one. No, yeah, that's all you can do. Has your has any of y'all's conscious mind ever taking over after a mistake? Has it ever worked out? Oh yeah, like for really complicated malfunctions because I, I specialize in breaking basically reliable firearms. Um, <laughs> and if and if like if you if you can get a good enough jam that like that the mag's not that you have to manually strip the mag before you can rack the two rounds out of the feed ramp where they're jammed together. Like there's a yeah. certain point where it's like sticking my fingernail through the ejection port and like ripping that out, like is the correct thing to do. And I don't train that. Right. Right. Okay. But I don't know. I mean, shooting low cap there definitely, if you shoot enough stages, like there's, you know, very specific stage plan that you have to do to be able to get the round counts correctly. Right. You're already, you've already planned like four or five reloads and then you, yeah. you have an array of steel and you go to war. And so you're a standing load. And so then you're thinking like, so then it's like actual, like conscious thought you have to like figure out what do I do next? Right. You're uh, replanning. Do you not yeah, plan you, like 17 different contingency plans? Um, I, I try to avoid some, I mean, there are sometimes because sometimes the risk is risk factor is so high that you do almost like, okay, this is a contingency plan. Um, but for the most part, I try to avoid having contingency plans because invariably anytime I have a contingency plan, I have to use that plan. Yeah. Uh, really? So, so you yeah. have, Jeff, you have contingencies, don't you? You're like, all right, well, if I run out of rounds here, then I'm having this other reload earlier, and then I'm back on plan plan A. Yeah, yeah, and people will often say, oh, quick thinking, good job. And I'll be like, no, I wasn't quick thinking. It was, it was a plan. <laughs> it like, was that was plan I, B to get me yeah. back to plan A. <laughs> yeah, that was if I fucked up, I'm going to do this. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I plan contingencies often, yes. And that's a low cap thing, especially. I would just rather like if if like you have to say if X happens, then Y, you know, if everything goes according to plan, then I don't have to stick the reload, you know, in one of those instances. Right. I would just always rather plan in the reload, like even if it adds a reload, I would just always oh, yeah. rather plan it in like content, like, oh, that's that's kind of how mine work. Right. So it'll be yeah. like, it'll be like if I'm engaging a steel, it's not like I, I won't be able to finish this array or something, but it's like if I have one makeup, then I'm throwing in this reload kind of deal. Mm -hmm. um, so our yeah. buddy Jay, who you all know one way or another, maybe Tyler less so, um, he taught me something the other week that's genius that's on that, which is if I'm walking the stage, right? And I have come up with the objectively best plan, which is, you know, I enter on this target and I exit on that. And I'm walking it and I keep entering on the wrong one. That's the new plan. Like I should not spend really? 15 minutes training my brain to do the plan that I have identified as objectively correct. I should. Oh, all right. New plan is we're entering on the inside because every time I walk yeah. it, like my eye goes there first. And so it's like you plan to do the thing that you want to do. And this is what Tyler's saying about the reload. It's like, Hey, if it's a high risk thing where it's like, I can, I can shoot empty on here and then I'll be okay. Like, or I could just plan to reload. I think that that's smart too. Like that's, that's like trusting your body. Like, 
right or wrong, for whatever reason, your body or your mind or whatever is there, it just has a preference to do that thing. You know, why enter on that piece of steel? So right. why that the plan and why enter on the inside paper? Yeah. Why swim upstream? You know, because yeah, you, you plan it, you're still going to do it. You're still going to run it that way. Most likely, you know, <laughs> when you're live. Well, yeah, exactly. And then like, and then you run it and you're like, Hey, I still entered on that steel. I wanted to get to yeah. the first. And it's like, why did I do that? It's like, Oh, cause I wanted to. For me, that thing, that thing that my body keeps wanting to do that I keep trying to talk myself into not doing is usually a reload that's not needed. Yeah. <laughs> so just do it anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I have a solution for that. It comes with 23 rounds and a dot. <laughs> At this point, I don't know if I could not reload. <laughs> Good. And when you don't, you'll feel very frustrated and you'll feel great shame and that will drive you to fix it. Uh, shame. Shame. Watched a video to that effect today. <laughs> well uh tyler thank you for coming on uh no, it's been thanks I for really having enjoyed me. really enjoyed yeah. that talk uh i like the uh the does does the whisker movement count as brown noise yeah i'll i'll chop it out and loop it for you and you can listen to it and there we go now we got it i'm in the dry fire to the beard yes <laughs> yes i gotta get blue uh, Head says, I'm gonna shoot to the beard. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it could be the, there's so many t shirts coming out of this. I, it's really a gold mine. Uh, potato, I once again, overperform my skill. You guys know, is the beard, it's the beard. not your beard, Tyler's beard. beard. Yep, from the gospel of Tyler. Uh, <laughs> potato, also, Mr. Saul. Uh, thank you for for coming on again. Always add add a lot to the conversation. So, man, my son was delighted. He's like, people call you Potato. He's like, like Mister Potato. I'm like, not not usually. Uh, anyway, I really hope people like start like just mailing you potatoes. Like, just you get them in the mail. Just a a potato. You said uh, you were identified at at a match as Potato, weren't you? Yes, right. Alex Mansfield walked up to me and said, hey, potato. <laughs> and I was like, take one to no one, bud. <laughs> I didn't say that. He's a nice guy. But Stop. I thought it. I love it. I love it. Uh, if you guys have any questions or comments or want any special guests on, uh, let us know. Uh, there are elections coming up, and we're trying to figure out. There's a lot. There's There's three different elections, and there are a lot of candidates. And mm -hmm. I don't know that we can manage getting through interviewing all the candidates uh, in the f eight weeks that we have before the elections are over. Um, so if there's somebody specifically that you really want to hear from, like you think maybe they have good ideas and you want everybody to hear that, then let us know and we can try to maybe hit hit the ones that we think people really need to hear from. Um, yeah, because in general, like. Well, who was... would the board like elected? Let's make sure we hear from them. <laughs> Or yeah, or not. Uh, yeah, there's certainly that. Uh, I, I'm very fascinated in how Area Six is going to go between Matt and Ben Barry, and, and there's another guy Kyle that Stevens. I don't know. Uh, who was it? Kyle Stevens. Kyle Stevens. Yeah, open I, I don't know. down in Florida. I don't know anything about Kyle. I don't know. Is he is is he a good dude? Uh, <laughs> uh, he's a good dude. He's a he's a business as usual dude, but he's a good dude. Okay. So without, parse that one for yourself. 
Okay. Um, you know, so like, I'm, I'm curious how that, how that election will go. I don't know either the, the people in area eight and president, there's like eight people. So we will try to, we'll try to manage that again. If you guys have, have input on who you specifically want to hear from, we can try to try to bring them on. But otherwise, thank yeah. you guys for coming on and thanks everybody for listening. Stop yeah. recording. Damn it.